Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. You know, this week's podcast has really had kind of a theme to it, and that is the Democrats will always show you who they truly are. And not who they pretend to be, not who they proclaim to be, but rather who they truly are. Because they always try to act like they're on the moral high ground. They're the party of empathy. They're the party that cares about the people. And yet, whenever somebody they don't like has bad news, they celebrate. They will celebrate beating down people who support their political opponents. They'll even go through and celebrate murder. And when Trump came down with COVID-19, they were going out and celebrating that and celebrating the possibility that President Trump might die. That's what they were celebrating. That's what they were happy about. And they even have people going off and chanting that happily. And I got a clip of that. But, you know, it really kind of goes through and... I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this, but the media, they're just horrible garbage people running our media, running, you know, the cable news networks because they can never go off and just tell you the truth. They have to spin a narrative. And so when they were going through, they're going out there and they're claiming, well, the Republicans are trying to spin this as Trump is now a better candidate having had COVID because Now this will teach them empathy. All right, now the media's proclaiming that, or claiming that Republicans are saying that, is complete BS. Because we always knew that Trump had empathy. Trump has displayed empathy throughout his presidency. Now he doesn't go out there, you know, and cry uh, in the cameras. He doesn't go out there and act like a complete pansy about it. No, but he goes through and he shows empathy. He shows sympathy for those who suffer, you know, sympathy for our, for our troops, sympathy for the nation. But he also doesn't go out there and proclaim that the answer to everyone's problem is government, that government is going to take care of everything. He's more about helping people learn how to help themselves. See, the best way for me to explain this is with this old analogy. Give a person a fish and they eat for a day. Teach a person to fish and they'll eat for life. And the Democrats, they're all about, well, just give the person a fish. Because as long as they don't know how to fish themselves, they become dependent upon you. And then with them being dependent upon you, you can get them to do whatever the hell you want them to do. That is the Democrats' theory. And they call that empathy. No, that's called enslavement, right? Because even slave owners had to feed their slaves to keep them alive in order to keep them working. But when you teach someone how to take care of themselves, when you set the stage, the economy, so that people can learn to fend for themselves, well, then that is called freedom. Freedom and independence, everything that the left is against. and so. We go through and we see how they're trying to spin the narrative and how they're trying to deceive the people. And of course, of course, they get upset because Trump removed a mask in the White House. Okay, but there wasn't anybody within 10 feet of him. I thought, you know, social distancing and everything. Also, 
once you get COVID, you're kind of safe from getting it again. <laughs> you know, at least that's what the studies have shown. And so right now, Trump is pretty much not at risk for COVID, which means there's really no point in him wearing a mask anymore. Now, I get they're trying to say, well, he's still a little infectious and, you know, because he still has it, he's going to have to make sure he quarantines. Okay, you know, maybe I get that. But still, if there's nobody within 10 feet of him, he doesn't need to be wearing a mask. You know, you don't need to wear a mask 24-7, even when you yourself are alone. And so, it's interesting to see how the media has been spinning this and how, well, how disappointed the Democrats are that Trump isn't looking like he's going to die from this. And they are sad about that. That's how much they hate this country. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at what the left has been doing. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, the elected members of Congress or Democrats running for office. I'm talking about their supporters. I'm talking about, you know, the base of the Democrat Party, you know, because they are reflective of the policies and the way that the Democrat Party has been running everything and been trying to indoctrinate people you know, how they have run the school systems and how they have gone through and just completely, you know, have trashed society, how they have completely gone off and crushed any idea of a moral society. So here is a typical leftist. Trump's going to be your president for the next four years. Now, that leftist that's out there going, when, when, leader's going to die. She's holding up a sign that includes a swastika. Now, I was trying to say Trump 2020 equals Nazism, which is kind of interesting and shows just how stupid the left is because the left is actually the one promoting Nazi ideas. Remember, one of the main tenets of Nazism is socialism. In fact, it's in the name. I mean, you know what Nazi stands for. Social, it's an acronym and socialism is part of what the Nazis were for. And that's what the Democrats keep promoting. They keep promoting a lot of the policies that came out of Nazi Germany. That was part of the Soviet Union. And yet the left is so stupid. They're so uninformed that they don't understand that they're the ones that are promoting Nazi ideas and that Trump is actually the anti-Nazi. You know how the left is going out there. It's not enough not to be racist. You got to be anti-racism. Well, Trump and the Republican Party are the anti-Nazis. And the left is the one going off and promoting Nazis and Nazi ideas. Even on the whole basis of race, I mean, it's uncanny, the lack of self-awareness that the Democrats have regarding what it is they actually support and promote 
and then what they think they support and promote. But it, this really goes off to show that, well, not only does the left lack any empathy, not only is the left horrible garbage people that cheer and celebrate the death of anybody that doesn't agree with them, but it really goes to show the lack of intelligence of the left. I mean, just think about it in that chant. Well, well, people are going to die, or well, well, leaders going to die. You know, this person is happy about the idea of the president of the United States dying and then going off and trying to say, wah, wah. You know, this is just a horrible, hateful person. And this is a typical leftist. This is the typical leftist that supports Biden. This is the typical leftist that was indoctrinated under Obama. This is just how bad the Obama administration was in destroying any sense of unity in this country, as well as destroying any sense of civility in this country. Yes, Obama may have been a polished speaker, but if you just take the transcripts of what he was saying in his speeches, not just how he said it, you would see nothing but hateful, vile garbage and just about everything he ever said about the United States. But it's not just the fact that they go off and they celebrate death and murder. I mean, they are the party of death and murder. But it's not just that they go off and feel the need to celebrate that. It's that they're constantly wanting to go off and attack everything, every American value, everything that has led to American prosperity and independence and financial independence among the people. They have to go off and attack that. They have to go off and try to convince us to give up everything, reset the clock, go back a couple hundred years or back to where most of the world is to a centralized authoritarian government that rules and dictates over every aspect of our lives. And so one of the th- one of their prime targets, their biggest targets that they must absolutely destroy if they are going to be able to go off and convince people that, you know, boy, you know, we need to give up all this freedom and liberty is that they attack capitalism. Capitalism, which has led to the greatest prosperity in human history. Capitalism that has led to more advancements in under 300 years than what we saw in the last 5,000 years in civilization. They must attack that. And so now they're going off and trying to attack capitalism by saying capitalism is COVID's best friend. I mean, it's truly insane. And this person goes off and claims that they are an economist and that they're proving through economics that capitalism is the best thing that COVID could ever hope for in order to spread and lead to more deaths. It's quite insane, but you know, go ahead and listen for yourself at this insanity. Why in the world were we unprepared? We had companies that can produce masks and gloves and ventilators and all of that, but they didn't do it. And I know why. I'm an economist. What I study, it isn't profitable. No company wants to produce masks 
uh, by the millions, store them in warehouses around the country where the population is concentrated, make sure that they are clean, make sure that they don't deteriorate, replace those that do, uh, watch the whole thing, and then you never know when the next virus will be. Will you have to sit on all of this for two years, for six years, or for 20 years? So it's not profitable. It's not a rational, capitalist, profit-driven calculation to make. So the companies didn't, and we didn't have the ventilators, the gloves, the masks, and all the rest. And there's no shorthand way of saying it. Private capitalism and the public health don't work well together. The United States has 4.5% of the world's people, and we have 25% of the world's COVID cases and COVID deaths. We're a rich country. That is a statistic that screams something fundamental is wrong in a society with our capability has such a record. Now, what this economist is trying to say is that, oh, because we don't waste our resources trying to stockpile for a situation that we don't know if it will ever happen is the problem with capitalism. No, that goes off and shows you what the waste of socialism is, is going through and trying to stockpile up on products that you never know whether or not it's ever going to be needed, and then to try and maintain them for years and decades, not knowing if, well, when they'll ever be needed or used. What capitalism is, is about the efficient use of resources, going based off of the data. Now, of course, he wants to go off and say, Oh, the U.S. has 25% of the world's cases, except for the fact that we know that 90% have false positive. So, you know, you kind of got to reduce that about 90% to get to what the real number is. I mean, it's already been proven that 90% of positive tests are false positives because they're going off and they are taking a look at, you know, having a test so sensitive, it's even you know, detecting the antibodies from people who got it, but, you know, had such mild symptoms that, well, they never reported it or went to the hospital for it, you know, and could have had it months ago and only now finally getting a test. But in any event, you know, what we got to do here when we take a look at capitalism is understand that capitalism is about the efficient use of resources. You're not going to manufacture three times the need of for a product or the demand and so for instance when we take a look at the manufacturers well the manufacturers are going to produce what is ordered right they don't know that for instance you know this hospital right they may have multiple suppliers this individual manufacturing company doesn't know how many of its competitors are also providing masks and medical supplies to this particular hospital, right? And so they're not going to go and produce three times more than what people are willing to buy. Now, when it comes to, you know, the hospitals or, you know, the government, right? They're going to take a look at data, right? Going, okay, we got 60 years where this amount of production has more than provided what we need. Right. Then a one-off situation comes along. Uh, you know, a once in a century plague comes along. Well, first of all, you can't really plan 
for a one-off. That's why they call it one-off. You can't really plan for something that we have never encountered before, something that we have never experienced before. Now you're going, well, we've encountered plagues before. We've encountered pandemics, few and far in between, and we've never come across one like this. Right Now, there is some discussion here about whether or not this virus, you know, COVID-19, may have been manufactured as a bioweapon that got out of control, escaped quarantine, or whether it was a natural mutation. Okay, I'm not going to go through and debate on that, but what I am going to say is you can't plan for something we've never encountered before. There's a reason why they call it a novel coronavirus, because it was new, right? And we've never had anything this infectious before. So how are you going to plan for something that is, that is unlike anything that you have ever encountered before as far as how infectious it is. Now, we can also debate how effective masks really are, right? We can go through and have that discussion. I mean, there's a lot of data out there, a lot of studies that have shown that, you know, most of the masks that we wear are useless. In fact, some of them are worse than wearing no mask at all. Now, when it comes to how did we be, how did we get caught unprepared? Well, because of the incompetence of government. You know, that thing that you were advocating more of. So remember, we used to have a national stockpile, just like this economist was suggesting. You need to have a stockpile and maintain that stockpile. You know, so when something like this happens, I mean, it's always able, it's always interesting how people have 2020 vision looking at past and taking a look at past mistakes. And why weren't we prepared for something we that has never been encountered before? Jeez, I wonder why. Why aren't we preparing for an alien invasion? Why aren't we stockpiling laser weapons and Star Trek-like photon torpedoes? Huh? Why aren't we doing that? Because, you know, if an alien invasion comes, why weren't we prepared for that? Because... We haven't encountered it before and don't know of its possibilities. But in any event, when we go through and we take a look at how we were unprepared, well, you can thank Barack Obama. He depleted the national stockpile of these masks. You know, the very thing that you were saying that we should do, you know, have a stockpile, maintain that stockpile, you know, just in case we come across a one-off situation. And, you know, an emergency supply. Well, we used to have an emergency supply. We used to have all of this, and it was done under capitalism, by the way. But then, when H1N1 broke out, we depleted that stockpile under Obama. And then Obama never restocked it. Obama never refilled the national supply. Now, you're going off and going, well, what about Trump? He didn't refill it. He had three years to refill it. I got a newsflash for you. The government is so massive. Government is so big that there hasn't been a single president in decades who knows everything that's going on in government, who knows every aspect of government, who knows what the inventory level is everywhere in government, which is why we have people running agencies, report, you know, and supposed to be reporting to the president. This is why we have managers and department heads and, you know, directors 
They're the ones who are supposed to keep track of what's going on in their individual department, their individual agency, monitor what is needed, and then provide a report, you know, and then try to order it, try to ask for it and make their case for it. So if no one ever told President Trump, hey, you know, our, our national stockpile was depleted, we should probably restock it, you know, because Obama refused to. Remember, Obama, he knew about the stockpile because he used it. And then he just ignored restocking it. And then you expect President Trump, you know, to know every aspect of government. There, there are been people who have worked in the White House, worked in Congress for decades that don't even know every single agency, what every single agency does and what the status is at every single agency. This is why we need to have reporting. This is why we need to have, you know, that effective management. This isn't a failure of capitalism. This was a complete and total failure of government at every level, not doing their job. Now, maybe, maybe, you know, if we want to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe, you know, after the national stockpile was depleted, they advocated to President Obama uh, saying, hey, we need to restock this. We need to restock this. And then after being denied a few times, just gave up on it and just never brought it up again. Never informed President Trump that the stockpile was depleted. I mean, we can go off and take a look at this. But the idea here that companies are just going to mass produce things far above and beyond its current needs, just in case of a future situation, is ridiculous. Because given how long it could take, you know, between each pandemic, you could produce all this excess mask, use all the resources needed to produce all these excess masks. And by the time a pandemic comes along, they're so old, they're so out of date, they're not the right type of mask, that all that manufacturing and resources used to create that mask was just wasted. And then you got to go back and, you know, redo them. And as they deteriorate, right, by the time a pandemic does come out and you think, oh, we got this stockpile and it's a stockpile of the wrong type of mask. Or it's a stockpile of outdated masks that are ineffective against this particular virus and that you needed to create a new type of mask. Right. I mean, there's so much. I mean, they're advocating for just complete and total waste. Having a national stockpile isn't a bad idea. We had that. That was something that was already supposed to be in place. But you can't blame capitalism for the failures of government. But of course, that's not going to stop the left from trying to do so. Why? Well, because if you're on a side that wants to advocate for massive government, Right? You're on the side that wants to advocate that government should be in control of everything. The last thing you want to do is admit the failure of government. So just like the Democrats go off and try to blame Republicans for every horrible atrocity committed by the Democrats, you got to blame capitalism and the private sector for everything that went wrong with government. Because if you admitted that the problem was government, well, then you're kind of destroying your case if you're on the side of you want big government. Okay, you understand that, right? 
And so they want to go off and blame the private sector for it. Now, you know, I, I get that this guy is trying to go off and say he's an economist, so he should know. You know, this whole appeal to I'm smart, I'm the elitist, oh, I am the so-called expert, you know, this type of appeal to authority has gotten old because we have found out time and time again that the so-called experts are wrong. They are wrong on so many things because they are allowing their political ideology to kind of uh, override the data. They're letting their political ideology dictate what they, what they claim we should be doing rather than looking at the data, rather than looking at the science, rather than doing the actual mathematical calculations. Their idea of an expert is someone with a political opinion that the left agrees with. It is really just pathetic and sad. All right. All right. So that's going to be it uh, for this episode. Uh, it was a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. I was going to try and keep this down to about 20 minutes, but okay. So that's it for this episode. Uh, I know I'm going to go off and give you an episode every day this week. Right, please leave me a rating and a review wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You know, share this on social media. Let's try and get past all of the big tech censorship. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back again soon.